Hello and welcome to this episode 10 of the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and I'd like to say a special welcome this week to anyone who has come here via the Design Matters podcast. I was in New York last month and was very lucky to be interviewed by Debbie Millman for her massively successful Design Matters podcast and we've seen a lovely little uptick in a number of people listening to these podcasts as a result. So if you've come from there, welcome. This episode we're going to be actually back in New York speaking to Nadia Saccardo from Palette magazine. And Palette is a craft beer magazine that uses beer as a way of jumping off into all the most interesting things in life. And when I met her, I obviously knew that she worked on Palette, but I didn't realise that she also works on Foreign Sons, the dog magazine, Good Sport, the sports magazine, and she had worked on Smith Journal and Frankie, the Australian men's and women's titles. So I was really interested to speak to her about how she works and her thoughts on independent publishing generally. Now, we've got some very authentic New York sound effects in the background to this episode. If you listen carefully, you'll hear the guys next to us talking about firing their BB guns and getting tased by the police. Um, They go away after a few minutes, so enjoy them at the start while you can. Uh, We do have lots of sirens that stay with us through the whole thing, but um, I hope it just adds to the texture of the recording. Um, This episode is sponsored by Park Communications. They are a printing company who are based here in London, but they were over with me in New York hosting a bunch of events over there. Um, We actually have recordings from those events, which I am going to get up at some point in the next few weeks. If you are an independent magazine maker or you're thinking about making a magazine, I would thoroughly recommend going to parkcom.co.uk to see the services they offer and drop them a line to see how they could work with you. But first, come with me to New York to hear firsthand the passion and dedication that goes into making Palette magazine. Uh, so uh, I'm sitting here uh, in a, a lovely uh, sort of sports ground thing uh, in uh, what are we? Lower, We're in the Lower East Side. Lower yeah. East Side. I know exactly where I am. Yeah, you do. Uh, You're local. <laughs> with Nadia Sicardo from uh, well, so I thought from yeah. Palette Magazine. I am. Te- I am technically from Palette Magazine. That is true. But I also work across um, Foreign Sons, which is a. Um, publication that looks at um, dogs and creative culture and Good Sport magazine which is a publication that looks at sports of all sorts but it's very photo photo based uh-huh. yeah. and before that you were at I was at Smith Journal so I was one of the um, the editors there and I worked at Frankie Press as well so Frankie Press publishes Smith Journal and Frankie magazine so yeah. you've basically just encompassed like some of the most interesting independent <laughs> magazines being made in <laughs> the world just, yeah. just like that and we were sitting in a cafe just now and you were telling me all this stuff yeah. and I just kept in my head kept thinking like we need to record this yeah. and Thank have it. You. But so the, like, t- tell me a bit about how you got into um, print magazines in the first place. That is a good question. I have to go back away. I was actually in online publishing for many years doing city guides and then through that work I met um, Louise Bannister, one of the founders of Frankie. Um, when I was leaving that job she approached me because she um, had this idea for Smith Journal and I started um, working on up ideas for that and basically I think every idea I'd 
ever pitched to Frankie ended up going in the first issue of Smith. So it seemed like there was like a nice synergy there. And then, yeah, I took over as editor from issue two. And um, When was this? This was in 2011, Mm -hmm. I think, 2010, 2011. Um, And then worked on Smith Journal for two and a half years. And um, during that... uh, process I met Rick Bannister who is Louise's husband and he is also a publisher and an editor and he's a brewer too so through my relationship with Rick and um, our work on Smith Journal we started talking a lot about beer and he got me into craft beer and that led to Palette Magazine. Okay so tell us a bit about Palette Magazine because I I, I really love it but we don't have it so much over in the UK. No um, I think issue three is there um, at the moment but basically what Palette does is take craft beer as a kind of jumping off point to all different interesting things in life. So um, we cover music, we cover architecture, we cover interesting conversations over a beer. Um, had the um, the fortune to interview people like Tony Hale and um, Alanda Baton for for the um, for the magazine. It's really a publication that. Um, reflects the spirit of the craft beer drinker so someone that's into beer not necessarily someone who's making beer um and we also wanted to make a publication for people who maybe don't like beer at all but just like good storytelling um and then perhaps will like become intrigued by craft beer through that way like a a gateway magazine <laughs> just swap in the word. Beer. Just swap in the word magazine for drug. Yeah. You? <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, like because there's obviously a very close synergy between beer and storytelling. Yeah, I mean, This is a thing. Like you drink your beer yeah. and you tell your stories. Yeah, and that's what like the that's um, the brilliance of Rick. Wow, there are so many influences going past right now. Yeah, I'm just hoping that this comes across <laughs> as being like authentic New York. It, well, it really is right now. I tell you what. Um, Yes, so that's really, I mean, Rick is, I think, like, the master of, he's such a master storyteller, but in a way that's, like, casual and just just totally all-consuming. So Rick is the kind of person that you catch up with, you'll catch up with him for a beer and just have a great conversation and learn a thing or two, and that's really the essence of the publication. Um, And it's also, you know, that crosses into our online project, One Beer, One Story, which channels that, you know, a whole um, ritual of meeting someone having a beer and getting to know them a little better even if they're a stranger so yeah. I haven't seen this at all what, yeah. what is one beer one story that's, um, so that only exists online um, and we kind of it's an ongoing photo project on our website where um, we take a portrait of someone chat to them over a beer and they'll tell us something about their lives something they've learnt something they're scared of something they think is funny or stupid and it, we just share those snippets online. Right. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the, and how does that then interplay with the print magazine? The, it, is the online a thing all of its own, or do you it always is. point back? Yeah, it is. It's um, it's its own project. It's its own um, thing. We do put some of the key stories in the um, each issue of the mag, but they're basically um, on their own page as a one beer one story kind of tapestry. Um, that links back to the website. Yeah. So yeah, we did. We approached the print um, iteration of palette and the digital form um, from two different perspectives, mm-hmm. or using the platforms to kind of tell stories um, in the best ways that they do. I guess online, um, you know, 
I do read long form online, but I also like it for beautiful pictures and quick imageries and those like little shots of information. Whereas print, you know, personally, I'd like to take the time with, yeah. And you're so you're a writer by background. That's how you came into. Yeah, I came into this as a writer, definitely, but I'm much more comfortable as an editor right why what's the distinction I feel like they're two completely different things like an editor um, you're kind of like the writing's coming to you and you're nurturing it along and you're pulling out the best bits and kind of working quite closely with a writer um, to encourage them to creatively respond to the subject but also connect with an audience Um, and it's it's much more structural in a lot of ways Um, whereas I think as a writer often I mean you are communicating someone's story and there's a structure to it but you really want to be thinking quite creatively like you want your brain to kind of be going to all these different places yeah so when I'm editing I find I'm quite like I'm applying structure and when I'm writing I'm trying not to so the things kind of can jar sometimes how about editing your own work oh terrible (laughs) (laughs) you should never I mean get or I think everyone should get someone they trust to read over their work definitely proofread their work and also feed feed into it because it I mean, I think it creates a better outcome, often for an audience, but it depends who you are. I've met a lot of editors who are incredible writers and can do that, but it is a superpower, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't have it. So you're here in New York, Yeah. but you're the only one who's here in New York. I am. I'm the only one from Palette um, here. Rick is in Byron Bay in Australia, and so we are on Skype a lot. Marta is in Melbourne um, in Australia. She designs the magazine. And, yeah, and that's pretty much the team. And then we have an amazing group of freelance writers and photographers and just general and incredibly smart people who help us make And how, like, how often, if ever, do you all get together? Very rarely. Yeah, very rarely. It's, um, it's quite hard with so many thousands of kilometres in between you. But, um, like, we... We still, I mean, it's an interesting way to communicate um, solely, I guess, digitally, but it still feels like we get kind of, in terms of what we're trying to produce, we get a good synergy going, and I think the outcome kind of speaks for itself too. And how do you manage that digitally? What what sort of stuff do you do to try to make this whole thing work? That's a very good question. Well, with Skype, it's very important. Lots of texting. Slack is very important um, for us email um and then i mean really they're the thing like dropbox other things plug into that you know we're kind of using all the digital tools that we can to make it um as easy as possible but also we need to switch off too that's a hard thing um and so really trying to use i guess like tools like slack are good for that because you can have quick chats but you're not always having to check in to see what's going on yeah kind of switch off as well and um and dip back in when you need to. Yeah. I literally just got uh, invited to Slack two yeah. days ago. Yeah, and right. I'm still sort of like looking at it from the outside, not Good really understanding <laughs> this thing. It'll change your life. I won't say maybe for the better. It could, but it's also, you know, I mean, I think for us it works there are lots of other tools we could be using but yeah we've established our own rhythm which yeah. is good I think that also one of the, the remarkable things about um, Palette is how ambitious you've been with it so yeah. the, 
uh, like it's I guess most common for an independent magazine to stay say well, you know we're going to print a thousand copies yeah and we'll see how that goes yeah you didn't do that no we didn't we have been incredibly ambitious so I mean our distribution footprint in the states you know includes retailers like Whole Foods and Barnes and Noble um, who are really important um, in terms of uh, kind of getting a wider distribution footprint out there but it's also really hard I'm you know it's servicing those kind of accounts and also you know cutting through um, that much noise these are like big retailers and we're essentially an independent publication and don't have budgets to put behind marketing spends that make our mags sit at the front of um, counters um, yeah it's hard it's challenging and you know and it's has been um, really interesting to kind of this past year see that um, kind of dance play out in terms of how we're working with Whole Foods and Barnes and Noble, but also just like the independent retailers that we work with. It's it's so much fun for me. I mean, the people that we get to connect with in that sense, the stores, the passion that like drives people. I guess um, there's a synergy between. What, how we feel about what we create and how they feel, yeah. um, and that's like that's the the cool part. I yeah, think. Yeah. yeah. So how do you manage that? Is that you literally emailing yeah. them? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, we have um, a few distributors who connect us with independent stores, so we go through them. But then a lot of um, the retailers will either email us directly, or we'll email them and. Um, set up an account and work directly together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's very cool I mean establishing those connections that's the coolest thing about independent publishing really is meeting like-minded people who are just trying to put good things out into the world I think. Yeah. and so do you find then that are you um, I mean I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm presuming that no. in terms of the independents you'd be selling in maybe small bookshops and magazine Definitely. shops yeah. but then also the, maybe the more upmarket kind of uh, bottle shops yeah we have been I mean so craft breweries um, now especially in America have big retail operations so um, there's a brewery in San Diego called Stone Brewing that we're stocked in um, in Alaska Alaskan Brewery we're there um, we work very closely with Dogfish Head which is a brewery in Delaware um, Sam Calagione who's um, an incredible craft brewer here in the States. He's our executive editor, which means he kind of he contributes one story, um, an issue, but he also helps um, connect the magazine with the craft beer industry. Um, so Dogfish have been incredi- incredible supporters of Palette, and we're really, really fortunate to work with them yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. And the, like, in terms of moving out beyond that yeah. uh, niche, because I guess yeah. that's always the aim. Like, yeah. the, you, you've got your club, you've got yeah, your little completely. gang who are into it. How do you go about that? How do you go about reaching beyond? It's, I mean, that's a good question. I guess that's kind of, that's what the work with Whole Foods and Barnes and Noble involves. But it's also, it just takes time. It takes for any independent, I think, unless you have a crazy loud mouthpiece or a huge marketing arm, which no one does really, to get word out about your mag. It's really about people over time discovering it organically and getting in touch. I mean... Both Rick and I have put a lot of time as well into, you know, personally calling and emailing bookshops and stores that we admire and um, and reaching out that way, um, which is really important. But it, it does just take time, I think, too. And you were telling me earlier you've had some pretty crazy press as well. Yeah, we did. I mean, we were very fortunate when we launched, um, you know, the USA Today covered the launch, um, which was amazing for us. And, you know, so 
that I mean obviously that press helps bring in orders and stuff which is incredible but um you can't really bank on that stuff. That was very like fortuitous that that happened. Yeah. yeah, well, of course. I mean, yeah. it always is. It's like yeah. lightning striking. You oh, just... yeah, it was amazing. And it's just like very exciting. We were, you know, to find that the journalists there just loved the magazine and loved the idea and then did wrote a beautiful piece on it that, like, you know, did some really solid research about the industry. It was great. Yeah. yeah. So that was very cool. And actually, one of the things that independents really struggle with is beyond that first issue. So when you're yeah. when you're a launch issue, that's yeah. a story in yeah, itself because completely. there's something to talk about. But yeah. it, the difficulty then is like you maintain that, and how do you keep on getting people oh, looking at you? That's so hard, and we've really struggled with that too. Like it's not easy at all. I mean, we've tried things like going to beer festivals and having stalls there, and um, you know, doing like media reach outs ourselves and things like that. Um, and it's really challenging, yeah, because you kind of have to find a new angle every time, um, but you don't necessarily have one. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a constant challenge, you know. And, you know, with Palette, we're a year in, we've done four issues, and we're really, we've reached a point where we are, like, looking at things like how we distribute, how frequent we can be, because it is, like, a print publishing's hard. Like, you're spending so much money each quarter on your print bills you know you're relying on people to invest in you know pay that cover price um and invest in you in that sense and and that can take time so i think the first year for a print mag is just it's very it's tricky yeah it's hard. yeah but the yeah. beauty is that i mean this is your thing there yeah. so you can if you decide you want to change your frequency Completely. you can change your frequency yeah that's, and that's the cool thing, especially about the time we're in now. I think the fluidity that is available to, yeah, change the frequency or um, turn your print mag into a shop or turn it into a book or, you know, bounce off these different iterations of the spirit of the thing um, are um, accepted and almost encouraged, yeah, yeah which is, is super fun for creatively-minded people because... You can envisage what you're doing in all these different forms. Um, but, you know, at its heart, the print magazine for us is, is a really special, like, you know, thing that we're passionate about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. um, so you've been involved with all of these magazines so far. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that you probably don't have an awful lot of time for other stuff. But the, what, do you, like, do you have any magazines that you look to as kind of either inspiration or just stuff that you love to read yourself oh man i yeah i love reading other magazines and there are a few that i always that i keep on my shelf um apology magazine is apology. one of those have you seen this i've never seen that it comes out of um brooklyn actually um it's by a guy called jesse pearson and jesse was involved in vice in the very early days and he's, oh, no, I did see you this. You did see it? Yeah. yeah. And I, I remember reading, well, actually, I've never seen the match, but yeah. I remember reading his interview about yeah. why he called it Apology. Yeah. And basically kind of saying sorry for like, everything it, he'd done. That he'd ever done. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, I love Apology because it's just a collection of weirdness. Like, interview, like one issue just has a very, very long interview with Tim and Eric and him where they just, you know, talk about everything and anything and everything. Um, there's short fiction, there's like strange photo shoots, um, and and Jesse, I think is just is a great writer and a very good editor. He's he's got the superpower. He can do those things. So, 
it's a beautiful magazine as well. I really like it, and I suggest that people, yeah, seek it out. And is that publishing now? Like it is, yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't actually seen it on shelves for a little while, but I know you can order it online. Right. Um, and I, I saw it at, in New York. It's at um, PS1, the um, the bookshop there, and I have seen it at lots of other places. So yeah. I know it's about. So Apology is great. Um, another magazine I love, which is made my, by my friends in Australia, is called Lunch Lady, and that's um yeah, that's made by Louise and Lara, who started Smith Journal and Frankie, um, and an amazing photographer called Kate Berry, and it's just it's. It's about food and family, and the thing that I love about it is that it's it's takes a it's very real. It doesn't pretend that like being a parent is easy, and like cooking for your kids is like this fun thing that you get to take joy in. It's like it acknowledges the challenge of being a parent, but also like the cool, fun stuff that you get as well um, because of that experience. And I mean, I'm not a parent, but I love all the articles in there, and yeah. there are some amazing recipes. Kate is patterns. an incredible cook. They've got oh, some yeah. lovely patterns in there. They as well. do, yeah. It just it really bounces into kind of yeah, like graphic design. Lara, who designs it, is a genius. Um, it's it's an incredibly beautiful publication. It's really bookish. Like it's more like a book. Yeah. Really. yeah, yeah. We don't get into differentiation though between magazine and book. Yeah, have we you? don't. Okay, don't, we're not going to have that argument. It's <laughs> like is the stuff that's on the page interesting? Yeah, completely. And then after that, I, I don't care if it's got an ISBN number or yeah. an ISSN number or whatever. Yeah, but. I love your attitude. That's really cool. Because, yeah, I think so many magazines... I guess when I say bookish, I mean it's like... It's something that you keep around forever. Yeah. Like, you know, but most of the magazines we're talking about and that you would talk about are exactly that. Yeah. Like, they're not things that you pick up one week and then throw away. Right. They're timeless. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Nadia, I know you have to run off uh, and do about a million other things. Uh, it's, it's two interviews. <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you very much for taking the time to speak. Pleasure. Thanks, Steve. Okay, that's it for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to Nadia for being so generous with her time when we met. We had literally just spent like 40 minutes sitting in a cafe talking, so uh, it's very good of her to interrupt her day and come out to sit in a park with me. Thanks also to Park Communications. They were in the US because they're very keen on working with independent magazine makers wherever they are. So if you are thinking of making your own mag, do go to parkcom.co.uk. Thanks also to you for listening. Check back for our previous episodes. You'll see we've been talking to magmakers for the last few weeks now. And of course, follow us on SoundCloud or iTunes or however else you get your podcasts. Just search for Stack Magazines and we'll deliver another independent magazine publisher to your phone this time next week.